tonight. We would be better off working together. Bonds doing what he does best, blasting into adventure. A trifle overbowing. The space thriller that'll take you out of this world. Roger Moore. The amazing 007. Climb aboard the Moonraker. Next. Welcome to another episode of Quantum of Misses, a James Bond podcast. I'm Christopher, and this is The Misses. Hi, I'm Fiona. Thank you for downloading our podcast. We hope you enjoy it. And tonight's uh, viewing pleasure has been Moonraker. It's quite that, difficult to sing. That's going to be difficult. Just every that time. one word. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of this film? What was the film called again? Moonraker. What did you think? Um. Um. Jury's out. Oh, halfway through, jury's out. Why is the jury out? It's a bit silly. Is it? Yes. What What's particularly silly about it? Well, can we start at the beginning and just work our way through? And then yes. Well, point? that's actually what I have um, here. Um. I have here, that you noticed while I was looking at it, the synopsis of Moonraker from the Moonraker movie special, published in 1979. Is that when this was released? That was when this was released. When you say movie special? It was like a magazine. Okay. And this is the synopsis of the film. Right, go on. So I thought I could read that, and then when it comes to a point where uh, you want to talk about something, you could stop me by saying... um, Moonraker. No, because that's not what it sounds. It sounds like Moonraker. That's how she sings it. So I'm going to have to actually get it right. Yeah. Although there is no tune. There is a tune. Just like the Moonraker goes in search of his dream of gold. But you could sing like um, something else like Where are you? When will we meet? Some other lyric of the theme tune. You're looking at it. You just go just say, let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Okay. Here we go then. Nobody does it better. Wrong film. Yep. Okay. Where are you starting? I'm starting at the beginning. What does it say? Nobody does it better. Sorry, can you not read? No. Well, you can't read this. <laughs> I'm looking at what he says. That's what it says. Nobody does it better. Those four words, borrowed from a stirring Bond theme song, apply, aptly describe one of the greatest film heroes of all time. The legendary, unbeatable, unstoppable, unflappable, unsurpassable, James Bond, Agent 007 of Her Majesty's Secret Service. Whether sleuthing, loving, fighting, or living the good life, nobody does it better than Bond. Cool, yet compassionate. Capable, yet curious. 
deadly and daring. Dynamic and desirable, picking the perfect wine for any occasion, or saving the world, the man to call is James Bond. You don't want to take issue with any of this so far. You haven't got to the film yet. No. But to secure the safety of a stolen space shuttle? To quell a cunning, capricious international conspiracy of sinister space scientists? Easy for you to say. To mash the mad plan of a murdering, megalomaniacal, militaristic, multi-millionaire. I should have read this before I started, shouldn't I? <laughs> Can even the amazing 007 hope to handle the most exceptionally evil threat, the most paralyzingly powerful foe of his long, illustrious career? Join James Bond solving the mystery, battling the villains, and blasting off in the adventure of Moonraker. Because it's not the end of a line, it kind of just fades away, doesn't it? The Skyjack Shuttle. This is the pre-title sequence. Do you want to talk about the gun battle sequence before we get onto that? No, I've only got comments about the pre-title sequence. Okay, gun battle sequence music was very parpy. <laughs> <laughs> is it like the um, the club style of James Bond? <laughs> I think it was more like the sort of frogs in the frog chorus. <laughs> I thought. Anyway. The shining sun rises on a new day of scientific achievement and international so cooperation. Bear with all of this. <laughs> what's interesting, as you'll see, what's interesting is some bits get skated over really quickly, and other bits get really well described. No longer do powerful nations view each other with suspicion and hate. A glorious example of this new détente streaks across the sky over the glistening waters of the Atlantic Ocean. A massive 747 jetliner is winging its way from the United States to Great Britain. A NASA space shuttle firmly attached to its back. In the plane's cabin sit two contented yet conscientious pilots, both of them wearing NASA uniforms. Behind them is a British navigational officer in his RAF duds, another example of the strong bond between allies. The craft's destination? London. Where, in the name of share and share alike, the English can study the complexities of the space-going shuttle. But more than futuristic equipment lies within the walls of the shuttle. Wouldn't it be easier to send the people studying the shuttle to uh, <laughs> the shuttle? Well, interestingly, this answers a question that I've heard posed about this before, which is, what the hell were the British going to do with this bloody shuttle? Yeah. Uh, but if it, if it is... Um, to study it. Yeah, to study it, share and share alike. In the name of share and share alike, never usually heard in international politics. Um, uh, anyway, but more than futuristic equipment lies within the walls of the shuttle. There is evil afoot. Evil. In the form of two stowaways aboard. Do you want to talk about the stories? But that how dated they were. <laughs> how very French they were. Were they meant to be French? Well, they looked very French in their brown leather jackets and their black shirts. Mm. Black polo necks looked very, looked very French. Yeah. Yes. Um, I thought. Uh, seconds later, the shuttle's ignition light turns a fiery red and the craft's rocket, and the craft rockets on the top of the jet in the horrible flaming trick. Of the space shuttle's rockets, the jumbo jetliner disintegrates in a sea of boiling, whirling, blackened ash. Nothing so far? The remains of the once proud plane and courageous men crash to Earth while the skyjacked space shuttle speeds towards... Who knows where? The public at large is kept from panicking thanks to a news blackout, but the reaction of the international investigation agencies is immediate. Shock, panic, rage, confusion, wonderment, 
And finally, helplessness. So they call the help of. But in one office, the reaction is strong, bold and sure. From the head of the British Secret Service, a man known only as M, comes the word, get James Bond. But where is James Bond? Where is James Bond? The fabulous freefall flight? He is um, doing his last leg. He is. Ho, ho, ho. Yet another plane streaks through the sky. But this craft is a small, luxurious private jet. It houses not skyjackers, but the debonair 007 himself. With him, not surprisingly, is a beautiful companion. And this shapely cabin mate, dressed in the outfit of a stewardess, has treachery and not love in her heart. Love. Do you think love is ever in James Bond's heart? No, it's mainly lust. Mainly lust. Do you think it was lust in this? No, this woman was totally against him, wasn't it? After a single kiss, a formidable-looking gun appears at James Bond's side. Enemy agents have the hero at bay. A cruel-looking pilot appears, holding yet another gun on 007 and wearing a parachute on his uniformed back. With a leer, he informs the, the agent... Gun. The girl passed the gun to the boy. Oh, I think you're right, actually. Not right, is it? With a leer, he informs the agent that they plan to leave him in the jet after destroying the controls. Well, they don't tell him that they just destroy the controls. But the resourceful 007 does not intend to die in a crashing leer. Leer jet. Not like a leer like they said before. With a lightning quick move, he knocks the pistol from the girl's hand and smashes into the pilot. Suddenly a hand reaches from amongst the two struggling figures. It pulls the door release handle. A sucking pressure! Not the first time I'm sure that James Bond has experienced a sucking pressure. Here he kisses. Did he only kiss? Do you think nothing else happened? Do you think well, that... with one kiss he's managed to turn people to be treacherous against their masters and <laughs> lesbians into straight people, so why would he bother doing anything more? He gets what he wants with one kiss. It doesn't take much effort. Do you think it's one of these things where, you know, he kisses you, he's kissing you and you both fall towards the bed and then he just stops and you're like, well, what happens now? Oh, I thought you'd probably just give me what I wanted now. But like, no, let's not go there. <laughs> Do you want to say a bit about the pre-titles? You go in, so I don't really carry on reading those. <laughs> I have something to say about the pre-title sequence. But we haven't got to the bit yet. <laughs> in, in in entirety, uh-huh. it was rubbish. <gasps> rubbish? Rubbish. All the bit about James coming back from his thing and being out of the plate, that was not relevant for the story. Well, it's not meant to be. Okay. And, yeah, no, I didn't like it. And it was greatly dated. Why was it dated? Just generally, the people and the... You could... And I've got a whole thing to go on about his hair, but I think that really comes later. Um, (laughs) Because most of it wasn't his hair, jumping out the plane sequence. It was Stuntman's hair. True that. Do you Um, not think it was pretty impressive, though? Can they jump out of a plane without parachutes? No. You don't think that's impressive? No. To jump up a plane without a parachute and then wrestle a parachute from another guy. Not if you're qualified like these guys are. They didn't really jump out a plane without a parachute. They just had very big jackets on. I meant like James Bond. Oh, like James Bond. Is he qualified to jump out a plane without a parachute? Yes. He's qualified for everything. Can you actually... Well, see, this is what interests me about it is, you know how the other guy was like ahead of him and he kind of made himself aerodynamic and dived? I didn't think you could do that. I think you can. Well, clearly you can, because like, you can see the stuntmen doing it in that film, unless it was camera trickery. Could be. Okay, well, I carry on reading it. Do we have to? No. I'm not liking it. Okay. 
Carry on then. Um, then we have the title sequence. Well, hang on. Who else was on the plane? The girl. The girl and the pilot and... Jaws. Jaws! Now, we haven't seen Jaws yet because we're watching them out of order. But is this is this a return of Jaws yes. in, in the actual yes. thing? What do you think of Jaws? He's a Bond classic. Mm-hmm. He will never die. He will never say anything. There's not much more to Jaws. Than that? Is Jaws is Jaws? I mean, he doesn't, like, fight and do cool stuff like the little Chinese people. Oh, well, the one that he killed that was doing the fencing. Oh, in this one? Yeah. Chang, or sometimes Cha. <laughs> yeah. So, um, he's not, like, impressive in that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's pretty wooden. Mm-hmm. So he's not my favourite. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay, so we had the big title sequence that did not impress you. Uh, no, then, we had, from here. then we had the titles. Did they impress you? No. They were a bit... Bond by the numbers, weren't well, they? Well, where is the tune, for a start? Well, the tune. The tune. Mm-hmm. And they're not stylish. The, the women dancing and doing it. No, I didn't like it. Oh, not even the woman who was sat on top of some sort of diamond thing with, with some sort of firework going off on her head. No. Okay. Um, yeah, it was, always, it was all the same bit. There was the one that kind of flew like oh, an airplane. Yeah. Uh, one that kind of did a big star jump. And that was kind of it. Well, I did quite like the... I think we saw some nipple. Yes, there was a bit of nipple being seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got away with that in them days if it was just seen very quickly. Mm. Okay, so that was the titles. That um, I really was relying on going through this to tell me what happened at what point of the film, so I'm going to have to look at well, it. Then, then they, they uh, he goes to Drax. No, wait, wait, wait. We haven't done MQ and... M and Q and the Minister of Defence yet. And Miss Moneypenny. Go on. What did you think of M Q and the Minister of Defence? Well, they're the same characters as before, which I've spoken about. Uh huh. What about in this one, though? What about what they did? Was there any interest in them whatsoever? Did they do anything? Well, they spoke. They gave him his mission. What was his mission? To find out who took the Moonraker. Yes. And they thought the first best place to start was who built it. I don't know why. Well, because it, because he built it. So why would he t- then take it? Don't know, but there might be some clues as to where it might have gone, as to you know what was in it that might have intra- attracted someone. I suppose they hadn't found that out yet, because the whole point of bringing it over was to find out the technology. Yeah, yeah. So off goes Bond to well, he gets his um, gadget from Q, his uh, oh, wrist yeah. gun, wrist dart. Yeah, that was quite cool. That was, and I quite like the mirror becoming a TV. No, you can now get that. Oh, yes. That's right. Um, but, yeah, the, 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 the sort of civil servants chat is all a bit benign, isn't it? All right. You don't enjoy that at all? Not really, no. Okay, it's not something you look forward to in each film? No. No. Okay, dogs. Uh, so, off he went so to... I did, sorry, I did quite enjoy Miss Moneypenny not believing that he was pushed out of a uh, plane without a parachute. Do you, think, do you think she thinks he just makes all the stories up? I think she just thinks, oh, James, you never tell me anything straight. <laughs> she just wants to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so off he goes to Los Angeles, uh, to the Drax estate, mm-hmm. um, where, where he is met by... Have you lost something? 
a pen, it doesn't matter. He is met by uh, pilot Corinne Dufour, who, or Corinne Dufour, more like. Yes. Uh, now, what was quite interesting is you, you got a side look of her and you could tell she had a very low cut top on. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of it, there was kind of like a, a dashboard in front of her, so you couldn't actually see her low cut cleavage. Ah. And I went, and, and I also I thought there was a bit of dubbing or something like that. Oh, almost definitely been dubbing going on. So I wondered if they shot it and realised she was actually revealing too much and had to kind of reshot her bits oh. again with, with that dashboard in front of the way. Oh. Because you never saw the two of them really together. It was always one or the other. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, and we meet, well, we see Drax, who's moved who's moved his whole chateau from France, brick by brick. Well, I didn't know if it's his chateau in France, but he moved a chateau in France because yes. he wanted to, to live in a chateau. Mm-hmm. You got the sense that he money was no object to this man. No. And, you know, she said if he wants it, if he hasn't got it, it means he doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did try and buy the Eiffel Tower, but they wouldn't let him export he, it. He did buy the Eiffel Tower, they just wouldn't let him move it. Mm. So then we were introduced to Hugo Drax. What did you think of him? As a baddie, I quite like the... Excuse me, the subtlety. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as soon as he left, it was just to make sure that he is hurt. And they obviously tried to get rid of him because they have these secrets that... They're doing something mm-hmm. additional to what's declared. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to get rid of Bond and he has henchmen and stuff. Um, but I do, I quite enjoy the way that he and Bond have this um, superfluous congeniality mm-hmm. when they're both blatantly trying to kill each other. Mm-hmm. Particularly later on when they're at the clay, not the clay, the lateral pigeon. The oh, yes, pheasant the pheasant shoot. shoot. Go shoot. And um, Bond goes to shoot one and hits the guy that was going to shoot him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, just the way that scene was handled where Bond said, oh, did I miss? I don't think so. And Drax kind of sucked it up mm-hmm. and all of this kind of stuff. I just, I enjoy that with the two of them. I thought it was interesting that... There was really very, very little time when you weren't supposed to think, he's a bad guy. Oh, yeah. No, he was right. almost instantly clearly a bad guy. Yeah. I don't know what about introducing two random posh women is I wonder if we can do that. He does that again later on, don't he? I know. He's just always introducing women. You know, two women. But they don't have right. speaking parts. They just no. have posh names. Yeah. Nice looking women, though. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Um, I thought he has a very, an air of still menace. Everything he yeah. says is menacing, even when he invites him to, can I press you to a cucumber sandwich? <laughs> yes. So, no, I think he's quite good. Okay. He doesn't also look a bit like the master. He does look a bit like the master, doesn't he? Like old master. The old master, yeah. yes. From the children's own show, that Adults Adore Doctor Who. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, Bond then is taken on a trip to, uh trip round the Drax... Moonraker Factory, mm-hmm. because, you know, they're, they're let, they, this is the other thing, they kind of know that they don't want Bond to learn anything, and they're clearly prepared to kill him, but they don't just fucking kill him. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, if he, the guy who was going to shoot him in the, in the, um, tree. shooting scene in the tree, it's like, how are you going to explain that away, that he got shot? Accidental shooting injury. Alright, well, you could have done that anywhere. You could have shot him anywhere and said accidental shooting injury. They managed to kill the woman with the dogs. 
They did. We'll come back to that in a minute. So anyway, he gets sent off to meet Dr. Goodhead, who will, who will well. show him round. And he meets Dr. Goodhead. Well, um, you know I'm going to have a thing to say I, I about I thought you were going to have a thing to say about this, because uh, Dr. Goodhead is a lady, and when Bond says to her, I'm looking for Dr. Goodhead, she says, you've just found her. Bond says... Oh, a woman. A woman. Observe it. Now, I'm not sure if I love this scene, for mm-hmm. her to go... Your personal reason to you credit, Mr. Bond. Yeah, and, and kind of like highlighting his absurd assumptions and, and all of that, or the fact that he has those, it puts me off him. And you're meant mm. to love him. So why why are they letting him do that? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then, but then... Then, when, mate, then... He says, are you training to be an astronaut? <laughs> and she was like, no, I already am one. I'm like, the boss. And... But I I didn't think she necessarily had to be an astronaut to be a to be involved in the space program. Well, no, not necessarily. She yeah, she could have just been a physicist or something. But it's more the assumption that she would be in training in some description. I think you're just gonna make rather than the boss. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna defend this here and say I think he was just trying to make a bit of small talk with her. No, I think it's wrong. And then later, <laughs> okay, he says, so you know. Um, I know that you're not just a beautiful... Well, you're more than a beautiful woman. As if it was a great shock that she had a brain as well. Which, despite... Well, to be honest, the way the women fall at him, maybe is it's their fault that he has this warped view of them. <laughs> yeah, but I thought, I thought you can see that. Isn't that, can that, that's, isn't that the sort of thinking that gets criticised these days? I mean, no, there's nothing wrong with women doing... Anything. They can be sluts if they want, kind of thing. Well, not quite that, but it can you know? There's nothing wrong with women behaving in any particular way. Mm. Um, it's men that have the problem, the attitude problem with women. Mm. Well, certainly, if we're on that topic. All right. So we've watched half a film. Yeah. In which he was seducing the the baddie woman on the Learjet, mm-hmm. and then he slept with a helicopter woman. Yeah. And then he slept with Doctor Goodhead. Yep. And then he slept with Manuela in Rio de Janeiro. Yep. I mean, this is within a week. A week? <laughs> Three days. <laughs> I'm not happy. And what I want to know is, doesn't look like he uses any kind of protection. It was 1979. Nobody used any protection apart from sailors. So he was just <laughs> rife with STDs, I can imagine. <laughs> I think that's what he asked M to t- get Q to test. <laughs> Careful. I've got two samples, it's lethal. <laughs> <laughs> so And then oh just particularly the, the helicopter woman. Yes, well let's talk about that because that's kinda of where we are. Oh no, because we haven't done the zero gravity but the G force oh, yeah. thing yet. So Doctor Goodhead takes him to this G force training thing, puts him in and then has a phone call that she has to make. Well it's with uh, Drax. Yes, with Drax. Um, and Chang takes over from the guy who really controls it and sends the speed up to like a million. Um, and so what's quite quite interesting is that Bond is meant to pass. She said most people you can handle three. Mm-hmm. Most people pass out at seven, whereas he didn't even press the button until thirteen. Because he's James Bond. I know. So I'm just pointing this out. <laughs> that was quite interesting, but. Um, but then, obviously, when he pressed the button, it didn't work. Didn't work. And he went up to 20. Yeah. How's he not passed out? 
At some point. Because he's James Bond! He's still not, he's still a human being. I think he was just passing out at that point mm. when he suddenly thought, oh, I yes, no, he was having like flashbacks and then it went, and so I love the way we both do that with our hands in this audio medium. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know what we're, we're doing. Yeah. Today. And then she comes back and says, "Oh gosh, that's awful," and he goes to his bed. No, he doesn't. Go, no, he goes to he goes to see Green Dufour, the helicopter woman. I know. So they have not spent any time together, mm-hmm. but he just arrives in her bedroom when she's in a negligee. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Um, <laughs> and he blatantly says, I'm not here for you. I'm just here for I'm information. I'm only here for information. And she goes, OK, then I'll tell you. Well, no loyalty to her boss. No fear of getting into trouble. No, they hadn't even kissed at the... Well, no, they did kiss. And then she uh-huh. went, I'll tell you everything. Well, she doesn't really tell her. She, she's right. When she says this to Drax later on, I didn't tell him anything. She didn't actually tell him. The only thing she told him. Was by moving her eyes towards the clock where the safe was. And she didn't take him to the room. She didn't... No, but she didn't raise the alarm. No, true. And uh, she wanted to have a a wicked way with him. Yes. So they go to the... um... Can we, we at this point, Uh talk about his hair? Okay. What about his hair? It is quaffed very particularly. Oh, and in a way that it doesn't really move unless he's like in a G-force machine. Uh-huh. Um, because it's obviously not very luscious. Okay. And so everything's placed and it's like a little Lego helmet on him. It doesn't move <laughs> as he moves. Oh. And I just think, ah, he's just a bit too old to be this sexy um, man. Four. He's got three more films to do yet. It's only going to get worse. <laughs> There's these little curls at the back where he's trying to obviously painfully curl it in to oh. make it look like... The thing I noticed about it was it's very light. The hair, his hair is almost blonde. And also you can see through it. Can you? Yeah, it's really at this point. That. He's got oh, a really right. big receding hairline that he's trying to kind of comb over a bit. Okay. Is, yeah. is high definition not very forgiving? <laughs> no. I think he was 51 year old. Was he? Roger Moore at this point. Oh, how old was he in his last film? 57. <laughs> it's a bit creepy, isn't it? Well, what? He's just being James Bond. Yeah, but he's a creepy old man because all the women that he's seducing are like half his age. But he is more or less seducing. None of them, none, in, this, in this film anyway, none of them were unwilling. Were no. Right? No, but he's a creepy old man. Some women like an older man. But just the, the the character he's meant to portray as strong and athletic and sexy and spy-like and all this kind of stuff, it's, you know, he's got Daniel Cray. <laughs> yeah, but not, not in 1979, you know. No, why not, though? Why didn't they go with a sexier Apache McGoon? Well, he, he, he was in pretty good shape, I thought. He doesn't look paunchy or anything. Yeah, he looks like he's quite tidy. And no. wrinkly. That's his face. Well, his face is what I have an issue with. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, can, can, we, can we progress the plot a bit? Okay, sorry. Uh, in So in the safe that he opens with his fancy cigarette case. That's quite cool. Cracker, 
the, the, the x-ray thing mm-hmm. to see where how the lock fits in. Yeah. He uses that opportunity to have a quick look at our boobs. I don't think it actually... I only see Sue Metal. I think that was just oh, okay. making a joke. Um, he says you had a heart of gold. Hence it could only see metal. Oh, I see. Um, so in the safe he finds the plans of some glass... Um, vessel. Vessel. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a name, Vigini Glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he instantly knew that was a place in Venice. Does he know? Does he see that? No, oh. but just like, next scene he's going there. Wouldn't take long to phone Money Penny. Vigini Glass, Venice. Alright, okay. Um, but before he gets there, of course. Pre Google, remember? Yeah, that's what Money Penny is Google. <laughs> um, but before we got there, uh, we have the hunting scene. Just when he's going to leave. The shooting scene. Don't we have a fighting glass? No, not then. Okay. Chang sees them coming out of the oh, office. Yeah. Um, Bond declines to take part in the hunt and the shooting, apart from shooting the guy who was mm-hmm. going to shoot him up the tree. Um, and then uh, Karine is fired, first of all, and then that insult to injury has the dogs released on her. Why is she dressed like a period drama damsel? Well, they all kind of wear. They're all kind of dressed old-fashioned-y. Yeah, but she wasn't beforehand. When she was dressed as a pilot. Or, well, I suppose it's like no cliche, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was meant to be to do the running through a forest scared mm-hmm. scene. Had to have that particular look in someone's mind. So It was quite atmospheric, the running through the, the forest, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it wasn't suitable for this film. That was from another film or something, <laughs> wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I, every time I see it, I think... I'm sure they cut away before the dogs actually get to her, but the dog gets her before it cuts away. But that, I think the dog would catch up with her quicker than, than it did. Than it did. I don't know, I think it's probably a bit quick. of adrenaline with the, these dogs are about to yeah. literally bite me to death. Yeah. Uh, it was quite cool, the earlier scene when Drax put the stakes out and then the dog didn't look at them until he went like that. Oh yes, that's how much control. Because he has complete control over everyone. Complete control. You can't see this, listeners, but she has a little circular motion with her finger. Complete control. (laughs) Complete control. I have complete control. Complete control, do you? Uh, So off we go to Venice. Um, Did you like Venice? I would love to go there one day. You've been there one day? I've seen it from a distance. From a distance. Seen some of the locations that were here. Yeah, no, that was quite good. So Bond has his own private gondolier in Venice. Mm -hmm. Um, who I assume must be our man in Venice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in his gondola, he, they come across a funeral. Yes. But it's not a funeral. No. Because the corpse is alive. It's a knife-wielding corpse that attacks him. So I've missed a, pe- a pe- bit of note. Oh, what was the note? When he was taking uh, pictures of the stuff he found in the safe. Oh, yes. I know what you're going to say. So... Was it entirely necessary that his secret, secret, small, disposable camera that he has on his person mm-hmm. has 007 on it? Isn't that some kind of security breach? How would you know which one was his? Because <laughs> 006 is all had 006 on it, and 005. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're right. But the, Which kind of, again, brings an issue that comes across quite often, is everybody knows who he is. Yeah. And Drax said, oh, I'm honoured that they've sent you. Yes. Yeah, top secret agent. Your reputation precedes you mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, yeah. Uh, so off he goes to Venice. Um, goes, uh, well, he has the first bit is the chase, isn't it? The gondola the chase. The gondola chase, yeah. yes. Because uh, the gondola also has an outboard motor. 
um, to chase away from all but that. Yeah, so uh, after the, the coffin person mm-hmm. tried to kill him, he he's happily letting Boyo from our, our office in Venice do all the punting for him. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he gets hairy, he just drives it like a speedboat. Well, like, because that time our boy in the office has been nice, yeah, hasn't no, he? that's true, yes. But I'm just saying. Well, that must be later on then, because he meets the boy. Oh, hang on. If you let me go through my synopsis, we'll be doing this in the right order. Yes, he says, I'll call you, and then he goes into the glass factory ah, to see the, the vessels. So the and the woman factory. just says, go and look where you like, which is a bit suspicious. Yes. And he goes and sees that they're blowing hexagonal glass um, vessels. Tubes. And he goes, interesting. But he also and, sees... And he also goes up and sees the very stereotypical... Le- uh, laboratory professor guy with a white moustache going through a dee 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 yeah and then he goes in and it's a lab and he watches them no I don't think he does that then he doesn't do that then the well he goes straight in after him so we can't have been then so it's just the glass blowing at this it's point it's the glass blowing and he spots Dr Goodhead oh yes and he follows, and he follows her. her out and she says she's talking at a conference and then let's have a drink afterwards and she says yes but i really mean no mm. uh and so then they're not kind of consensual well it's only a drink and what, what, i wondered at that point it's like if if i had been james bond at that point was i thinking i'm going to meet her for a drink or i'm not <laughs> because he says could we have grab dinner no i'm giving my speech then oh well can you think of any reason why we couldn't have a drink afterwards and she says no therefore we're having a drink but I'm sure I will think of one. Therefore, we're not having a drink. And she walks away. I, I couldn't be a good spy. I'd be like, so are we having but a there drink? There are many reasons why you wouldn't be a good spy. <laughs> I wouldn't tell her my fucking name to begin with. <laughs> That'd be a good, a good thing for a spy to do. But I also think, yes, you would not know in that situation. Whereas he wouldn't care what the woman had said. He would still uh, be thinking they're having a drink. Okay. Anyway, she goes off and he goes into the gondola. This is when he picks up the gondola and Franco mm. again. And that's when they meet the funeral. Yes. Franco gets killed, thanks very much. And off goes Bond on the speedboat. Yes. Until he gets to St. Mark's Square, when the gondola turns into... Some kind of hovercraft thing that goes on land. Or as we like to call it, and it's, I think it's actually mentioned here, it's called here somewhere, no, maybe not, it's the Bondola! Oh, I hate gondola. it. This, this bit where he's hovering through St. Mark's Square yeah. is the most ridiculous Bond scene I've ever seen. There are people going, ah, and pouring drinks over heads and shit. <laughs> and then at one point, a pigeon does pigeon a double, double take. Pigeon double take. It's just Some people think that is the greatest moment in all of James Bond. No, this has just belittled the whole genre. <laughs> That one scene, I hated it. I liked it when there was. I've like, written silly boat, Mac, uh, in Mark Square, <laughs> and then pigeon double take. Pigeon and... double take. <laughs> I'm not happy. <laughs> I liked the bit when the the gondola uh, was coming through St Mark Square, and there was clearly five or six kids following it. <laughs> and some stereotypical as as, and this is something that seems to have phased out of films, but. If you are anywhere, any sort of prominent landmark place, there are always some sailors on leave there. Oh, yes! <laughs> so through St. Mark's Square he goes, um, becomes a covercraft. Um, also, the Humcraft mm-hmm. 
in the, you know, Venice style is stripy with some tassels. Yeah. That's even more ridiculous. <laughs> so, and that's when he goes to the lab. Oh, uh, right, okay. And in the lab, he sees the guys, and they're putting some kind of liquid into Carefully. the vial and into a big sort of round thing. Then they move the round thing out. He goes in, opens one of the little things, Just takes out... playing around with unknown substances <laughs> in a lab of this creepy death guy. Um, they come back in. He, he's taken one little vial of the stuff. He, they come back in. He goes back out into the secure area, shuts the door. They accidentally, because he's fucked about with it, knock the vials onto the floor, which releases a massive toxic gas that kills them in seconds, but leaves the rats alive. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So it must be an antidote. Why? Rats must have it. Rats no, no, I meant, I think they'd be injecting, they'd, they'd test, using the rats to oh, test the Oh, to test if it was an antidote. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and then he finds himself face to face with Chang. They fight in glass, ruthlessly, in violently. Oh, we we did we missed the the scene where we were told all the glass is priceless. Oh yes, yeah, so all the glass is priceless. And then it. they go crash, 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 crash. And I'm really disappointed. He didn't at any point at the end just go smashing. Missed <laughs> <laughs> a trick there. Uh, he propels him through the Zodiac window at the end, but you don't ever see him really coming through the Zodiac window because no. it's like a big thing in Venice. <laughs> and he ends up rigid through a grand piano. Showing his pants. Yes. Because he was wearing a dressy thing. Um, which, so then she, then he goes to see Dr. Goodhead again. And oh, in the white dress. But she has all kinds of funny gadgets. gadgets. Which he identifies as being CIA standard issue. Should we merge our resources? Possibly. It's an odd, an odd end to the scene there. That what, that they shag? It's very common in this kind of film. But they're not, not going to trust each other. And that was because it was trust. Uh, uh, very, very unlikely. Yeah, but they're just joking. Okay. Um, does he, he tells her that, oh, but then he gets, uh, M and the Minister of Defence over to show them the lab. Show them the lab. So in they go with their head gas masks on, and what do they find? A big, huge Victorian hall with Drax at the end. With Drax at the end, who a very good bit says, "I'm not being like I don't always understand your sense of humour." He gets a profuse apology from the Minister of Defence. Who plays uh, bridge with him? Who plays bridge with him? Well, folk who play bridge are inherently dodgy, as we know. Uh, <laughs> in the book, in the book. Of which this is well, one of the very few bits of the book that makes it to the film. Um, the reason that M puts Bond onto Drax is because M thinks Bond uh, Drax is cheating at bridge and therefore must be a wrong and ah. um so yeah, so the Minister of Defence kinda demands that something has to be done with Bond and M says you better take two weeks leave, but Bond gives him the uh file. Uh, at which point M says, so there was a lab. And it's like, so you didn't believe him, M. Mm. Your best agent, like. And says, better two weeks leave. And he says, yes, I've always fancied Rio. Because he's seen all the things being boxed up to go to Rio. Yeah. Uh, and so off he goes to Rio. And I quite liked it when M said, oh, yes, you had mentioned that. 
as yeah. a sort of Boink. yeah I know you're still on this but mm-hmm. well let's play along with that's where you're going for your leave but then we also have an interesting scene of Drax saying yes my speaking to someone yes my henchman's just been killed so I really need a new henchman oh well if we could get him yeah obviously so question who is Drax speaking to henchman limited agency the Alfred Marks henchman agency <laughs> Henchman power? Henchman power? <laughs> you really like that, don't you? <laughs> I just thought of that. Henchman power? Um, yeah, so we then see Jaws going through the airport security and setting it all off because he's got big metal teeth. Which means that they don't have to check him for, like, guns or anything. No. And did you see that the woman behind him on the scanner machine was walking mm-hmm. through the scanner with a case and a handbag. <laughs> Not like Back that the day. And her shoes on. And her shoes on and a belt and everything. I know, Jaws wasn't holding these trousers up like everybody's got to do nowadays. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it used to be great before terrorism, didn't it? Mm. Uh, so Bond goes to Rio mm-hmm. uh, on Concord. Oh, yeah, it takes you back. Yeah, um, which was really the only flight that Concord was any good for and it, it really did reduce the time from Paris to Rio mm. um, uh, and that bit behind the scenes trivia was actually Roger Moore landing in Concord because he got a kidney stone and couldn't fly out with the rest of the unit so they went out and shot some stuff in Brazil All right. and he and they then shot his Concord landing and when he came off the plane that was him coming off the plane having been dressed in, on the plane um, for this shot uh, and he goes to his hotel and he is followed by Manuela, who is our woman in Rio, uh, who tells him where the warehouse is that this place has been. But they shag first, don't they? No, they don't. No, they shag after. They get information first, shagging later. Yeah, well, yes, but they, before they can get yes. to the warehouse. What do you do in, in Rio for Rio five hours? Five hours, that's hour. quite impressive for yeah. a 50 so year old man, you see? You're coming round now, aren't you? No. No, okay. Uh, so off they go to Carnival in Rio, because uh, that's what's happening tonight. And they go down to the warehouse. Bond goes into the warehouse and tells her to keep watch. And somebody in a great big clown outfit starts heading down the street. Obviously a creepy clown. Now, I actually remembered that bit about who was in the clown. Uh-huh. So the first thing I've remembered of any of this. But who yeah. is in the seven-foot clown? Hmm. And when the clown takes off its head, who is it but... Jaws! Jaws! Who goes to attack her, but a hundred folk come well, out. I didn't realise he, he actually kills people with those teeth. Oh, yes, that's what he's going to do. And that's where we stopped. Do you think... Is Manuel we, about but to we also saw... What, what was James Bond discovering in the warehouse while that was happening? The warehouse was empty, but there were um, like labels from yeah. the Drax Air Freight. Yeah. So either the stuff... Had been there, well, or was about in. to come there. Mm-hmm. So that's what we—that's where we were. So is Manuela about to bite the dust by from Jaws, or will somebody save her at the last minute? I think someone might save her at the last minute. Who do you think that might be? I think it might be James Bond. James Bond, you say? Fighting Jaws and somehow can beat him, even though he's like double the size and twice as strong. Oh well. And doesn't get killed by building falling on top of him. So that's as far as we've got. First half of Moonraker. Uh, do you think James Bond's going to win? Yes. <laughs> but this is why I think it did pick up a little bit, even though mm-hmm. there were some things I obviously very distressed about. Um, 
So that's why I'm on the fence. I I it, I could really enjoy it by the end. All right. There could be enough positive to outweigh the little negatives. These negatives. Yeah. That's what my little idea. negatives. The bondola. That little negative. Quite a big negative. <laughs> um. So we talk about fashion for a little bit. I didn't really write anything about fashion. I wrote some stuff about locations. They had some All good right. locations in mm-hmm. there. They had Venice. Mm-hmm. They had, well, they had the damsel running through the wood, the but wood. it was like, mm-hmm. um. Horror film. Yes, moody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had Rio mm-hmm. during the carnival. Mm-hmm. So yes, they had some good, um, sort of tourist information stuff. But fashion. Mm-hmm. Apart from the woman, woman being scantily clad. And you didn't like the vast array of browns that Bond managed to get into his uh, wardrobe. I just saw him in a navy blazer. And the ties always had a lovely stripe of brown in them. And in Rio, he had a, a white, like safari, not quite a safari suit, but a white jacket and a, a brown shirt with the biggest collars imaginable. No, I didn't like it. Oh, I thought it was very, it was very seventies. What about the seventies decor well, of the hotel? Oh, that was, and and the very camp porterman. Yes, I thought we were actually quite restrained with the very yes, camp porterman. and I like I liked his uh, his element of um, oh. um, disappointment that he wasn't allowed to show around this fabulous yeah. place. Yeah, because well, he must have been able to see Manuela behind the bar by that stage anyway. Yeah. So it's like you can now make a choice, or you've chosen her. Mm, right then. Well, no, I think he just liked being fabulous and explaining his fabulous <laughs> room. His fabulous room. Okay, so, um, uh, are you going to carry on watching the Moonraker? Yeah, I'm going to see if it, it levels so out. it improves, okay. Yeah. Well, in that case, uh, Quantum of Misses will return after the news.